going on, Fantasy Alarm family? Welcome to another episode of the Family Times Podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with family members Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam. Boys, what's going on? Big winner sells there. You like Bushman, and boom, right into the winner's circle. Not only do we thank you on the site from all of us at Fantasy Alarm, Wager Alarm, DFS Alarm, but even on Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, you called it, my man. That's why you win awards. That's the way you debate. That's the way you pick a winner. Yeah, is it okay for me to say I blacked out there? Is that the that's the line from from old school, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, if you're not sure what Fenstie's uh, referring to, I went on a warm after hours last Thursday ahead of the uh, Atlanta race for NASCAR, and Adam Ronis asked me what my favorite bet of the week was, and I said Kurt Busch to win at plus three thousand because he had looked good in the last race at Atlanta, and then turns out he held off his brother. Um, to even their records against each other. Now they're two for two in one, two finishes. Um, and so, yeah, Kurt Busch won and uh, paid out at plus 3,000. So that was a pretty nice, pretty nice return on the bet there. Hell uh, yeah, it is. That's awesome. That's I did forget fine. to get my bet in, though, because I got busy with some other stuff. So I actually did not. <laughs> well, well, Ryan, I guess we know who the idiot of the week is, right? Over yes. <laughs> NASCAR for fantasyalarm.com. Matt sells, ladies and, and by gentlemen. the way, that brings my record in the last eight races to eight wins outright. There you go. Again, that's why you're going to go to fantasyalarm.com. All your wagering as well, wageralarm.com, dfsalarm.com as well. Matt Sells, Dan Malin, our NASCAR team. Let's talk to another handsome man here, the king of all brackets, the commissioner and chancellor of Big Brother Fantasy. <laughs> it's Ryan Hallam. What's going on, Hallam? How you doing? Doing good, bro. Uh, it's a day in New York that's not actually raining for like the first time in a week and a half, so enjoying it and just uh, getting ready for baseball to kick back in and everything else. Yeah, I mean, guys, at this point here, I know you're saying getting baseball kicked back in, but you guys know what's coming up soon. Come on, fantasy football season. It'll be here in a blink of an eye. Trying to tell everybody, whether it's on these, during these radio hits and podcasts that I've been doing, I've been trying to tell everyone, don't wait until late August Get in now, and that's why you're going to get the draft guide on FantasyAlarm.com. So with that, we're going to talk about just some of the players we're seeing where they're going in drafts. I mean, we've had 14-team industry leagues, and we've discussed this on Family Times before. But just in general, I mean, I'm constantly looking at ADPs. I have my ADP TV series on the site. But I want to get kind of just some quick general thoughts, guys, with what you're feeling about some players. Like, let me let me start with this guy right here. And I guess, Sells, we'll go to you first here, and then we could just go around and around and just spitball regarding some of these players and current situations. Najee Harris, someone that I'm seeing start to creep up a little bit more. On Fantasy Sports Radio, I'm listening to all the shows, and it seems like our analysts are split almost down the middle with some that think that the Steelers are going to pass a lot less and really rely on Harris and throw to Harris a ton as well. And there are others that are like, well, the O-line issues, is he going to be able to overcome that? I mean, I want to hear where you guys stand because he's moving up and up and up, slow and steady sells. Yeah, so right now I'm looking and it looks like he's just outside of the first round uh, on ADP. I would say it's a touch high for me, just a touch. I'd rather wait till like the end of the second round. But I honestly have no problem with the 
with the Pittsburgh offensive scheme we've seen before when they have a back that they can trust, they use that back. It's a single back system. Um, and Pittsburgh, as it gets later into the season, wants to run the ball. That's how they had success at the beginning of the year. Last year is that they were running the ball better and then everybody got hurt and they had to turn around and pass it like 97% of the time. And then we saw their offense falter. Pittsburgh is just a running team. They run it. uh, And when they have a single back, they use them. I don't think they would have taken Najee Harris as high as they did if they weren't full sale sold on his abilities to be their lead back. Um, But like I said, I'd I'd take him a touch later than the beginning of the second round. I'd like to see him like towards the end of the second round. But I don't really have a problem with Najee Harris. I'm a big fan as well. Uh, I like what Matt said. I think he's going to get the very big bulk of the work and the Steelers. I I think their offensive line woes are being slightly overblown. Um, I'm not saying it's as good as it was, but I don't think it's as bad as it's being made out to be. Also, we've seen running backs succeed behind bad right. lines. Right. It doesn't. You don't have to have the the Colts or the old Cowboys line to be successful. Uh, the kid showed a lot in college. There's not a lot of, you know, bell cow backs or guys who are in situations where you don't have question marks. So, uh, I also don't have a problem with his ADP. I'm comfortable with him where he is. I, I see he's going just in front of Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson. What I like those guys slightly more probably, uh, but. I have, I have no problem if you're an early second if he's your your choice. I would say that I would take Aaron Jones and Antonio Gibson over Najee Harris. What yeah. about Joe Mixon? I'm not on Joe Mixon at all. I've never really been a Joe Mixon guy. Dude, I don't know how many times he has to disappoint people before they, they figure it out. I've you never talk, been a Mixon guy. And you want to talk like, about offensive lines. The, the Bengals line is a hell of a lot worse than the Steelers line. And he's, I don't think he's very dependable. Uh, I don't think he doesn't have a lot of competition for carries. But, man, I haven't seen a lot in his career where people are as excited at him as they, they are. Bro, I don't, I've I don't seen him it. go all over the second round, Hallam. In it's all well, the first round, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I've, I I've been hearing a lot. Year, I be, by the way, speaking of Harris and how much he's ballooned up, I've been hearing a lot of Akers versus Harris talk. Is that I, even a decision for either one of you? I'm an Akers fan of uh, that decision. I just I know he's got uh, Daryl Henderson there still, uh, but I just think he's clearly more talented. Uh, you know, we saw when he was given the opportunity last year, he could do it on the ground and in the air. Uh, I think the Rams' offense will be a little bit better with Matthew Stafford. Uh, another year with Akers. I don't think he'll have the struggles of getting the playing time like he did at the beginning of last year, uh, which I think held him back. Also, obviously, if he wasn't on the field, uh, so I, I'm a big Akers fan. Yeah, I mean, my question with that discussion is it comes down to the Rams coaching staff, right? What are they going to what are they going to do? Because they like to play games they oh. like to, to switch things up. They told everybody, "Ooh, we're taking acres early and we love acres and he's going to be the lead back and all this stuff. And then he didn't get a he didn't get onto the field until what week five. But didn't, like, but didn't he get hurt earlier than that? Isn't that when he hurt the rib cage? I don't remember, but then I, the other thing I is, thought it was like week two or three off the top of my it's head. It's possible. It's so, possible. I, so, and I was, I was talking to Adam Ronis about this on alarm after hours. And I just, I was saying, well, I mean, did, what did he able, was he able to get any kind of momentum? He got hurt so quickly. It seemed like. Yeah. But the other problem is, do we know that Matt Stafford is going to be the absolute be all end all fix for that offense or have teams figured out 
the offensive genius that is the Rams coaching staff. Well, can't they? Because they haven't looked. They haven't looked right since they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Regardless no, of who's on that team, regardless of who's healthy, and yes, I know it was Jared Goff, but like, I think they got exposed. I think defensively, you can game plan around what they're going to do, and so right now. I'd probably lean Harris over Akers. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm looking at his, his game log here, and from week 12 on, it was you know 84 yards, 72 yards, 171 yards, 63 yards. He only had one game under 60 yards. Uh, so even if it's the same coaching staff, he really had success in the second half of the season. So uh, I think, I think regardless, I think he'll he'll be better. And like you said, I mean, he got 14 t- carries the first week and then didn't have more than 10 again until week 13 so whether it was injury or whether it was opportunity he just wasn't on the field and once he started to get his chance i, I think he showed he's certainly uh, a better back than daryl henderson right and, and you he, could what if he has a too. slow start in week one again what if he's healthy and has a slow start in week one and they go oh we're gonna ride the hot hand and go with henderson getting a shot after one game sells they did it last year they it's took possible. the guy highly, and they told everybody he's going to be their starting running back, and they gave up after one game. That would be stupid. You got okay. to commit agree. a little bit. I agree, but, like, we've also seen teams just completely swap out running backs and not care, right? Denver runs out three running backs a game. We saw everybody goes, oh, Carolina – Lost Christian McCaffrey. They're going to skip a beat. And then Mike Davis, a journeyman dude who came from nowhere, put up basically the same numbers everybody expected from McCaffrey. Right? We've all discovered that running backs are replaceable in the NFL. So if Akers has, I don't remember who they're playing in week one. The Bears. I just looked. Okay. Reasonably tough defense. Right? But, like, if he has a slow start, Who's to say they don't go, let's just do hot hand because we're really just going to sling it with Matthew Stafford. That's why they got Stafford is to pass it deep. Well, all right. Well, let me just tell you who they have, guys. I mean, they have – wait a minute. What am I seeing? Oh, because I'm seeing preseason. They start with the Bears, and then they go to the Colts, and then the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. Those are their first four weeks in the regular season. Not, Not exactly start. the easiest running – no, Bucks were the best team against the run last year. Cardinals are vastly improved with new, with some new defensive guys. I, I don't, I don't discount anything you said at all, Matt. I mean, he definitely is certainly not, you know, a guy where you absolutely know there's no way that they're going to bring in someone else. Um, I, I do think if that happens, I don't think he'll play the hot. Like it'll just be Daryl if they take him out week one. I don't think we Daryl Henderson for the rest of the season. No, I, I don't I think so. But it, talent will win out. I, I just I like what I saw at the end of the year. I like what I saw in college. I, you know, I, I did. I, maybe I'm biased. I liked him coming into last year. So oh, maybe, he was awesome, I, and he was behind such a crappy offensive line. You're yeah, totally maybe, right, I, Ryan. Maybe I just want him to succeed, but I mean, he, he you was can throw really good down too. Yeah. So I, I like him slightly over Najee, but it's like it's it's a couple picks. It's, I'm you know we're we're well you know. Right. What are you saying? Splitting hairs here. Let me bring somebody else to the table. And this is someone that is starting to slide down. Saquon Barkley. Guys, this isn't a game of limbo right here, but it kind of is because we all know what his capabilities are. However, the health situation, very murky, very scary over the last few years. 
And I'm starting to see him slide down to that eighth, ninth area where everybody was getting Zeke two months ago. Now you're getting Saquon right there. So I got to ask you guys here because I'm still very undecided on whether or not I'm sitting there 10th overall in a PPR and I take him, especially if I'm starting only two wide receivers. Very tempting. Where do you guys stand on Saquon Barkley, Helm? I took him third overall in a draft a couple months ago. I remember we talked about it, and I said afterwards, I was like, oh, I probably should have taken Derrick Henry. Uh, so if he's sliding, <laughs> I'm still – if he's sliding to eight or ten, I'm still all about it. You're right. There's definitely question marks. He's been injured two of his three seasons that he's been in the league, and serious ones. It's not like it's it was two weeks. It was season-ending. Uh, so there's certainly a question mark. But just the other right. options. I mean, we're looking at Austin Eckler. We're looking at Andrews. Austin Eckler's got almost the same ADP as him right now. In a PPR, are you taking yeah, I mean, over to me, Barkley? To me, the talent isn't even close. Barkley is a much is, is vastly superior. It's just the injury concern. Uh, I think, you know, the offense is good enough. He gets thrown to 80 times a season if he's healthy. Uh, That's before they drafted 14,000 wide receivers. I mean, it's not going to not throw to him because they're throwing to wide receivers. And Kadarius Tony is, is not proving to be very reliable, so I'm not exactly sure what his role is going to be. I mean, what receiver? I, uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton? I mean, they added right. Kenny Galladay. Yeah, and, well, he's the main guy. I mean, that's not stopping throwing to Barkley as opposed to the down the field receiver. It's not even the same kind of guy. If you're, I mean, if you're looking at this, the guys around him, you know, outside of Nick Chubb, I don't think it's really close with any of them if he's healthy. So it's how much stomach you have to take injury concern. I don't know if well, I could stomach that. Like I've said before, with Saquon, it appears that if he doesn't get an explosive play once a game, his stats are so-so. Like, if you just box score surf, he seems like, oh, yeah, he just keeps putting up great numbers and great numbers and great numbers. But, like, if you actually watch the games and you go, well, in the fourth quarter, he only had 25 yards rushing, and then he busted off a 50-yard run, so now he's got 75 yards rushing. Okay, five of your points just came in one play. Like, I mean, he had 2,000 total yards this rookie season. I'm not sure that that's I, – I know what you're talking about, but I'm not sure that's wholly entirely accurate if he had 2,000 yards. Okay. I mean, I get it, yeah. But, again, if you watch him, it seemed like most games he needed an explosive play to really boost stuff. And the injury concerns are clearly yes. there for him. Absolutely. As elusive as he seemed to be in college, he's not elusive enough in the NFL. He gets squared up more frequently than a guy his size probably should. And, you know, I'm also concerned with the talks surrounding Daniel Jones. He's got to prove himself. What does a quarterback do to prove himself? Pass the ball. Yes, Barkley can catch it, but they also have Kenny Galladay and Evan Ingram and Slayton and, you know, 13 other people sitting there. So... And is their offensive line even like we talk about offensive line for other guys? Is that Giants offensive line reliable to give him a gap so he doesn't get squared up two yards past the line of scrimmage? Like, I don't know. I think in a PPR, I would take Eckler. I mean, he's four foot five and weighs twenty five pounds. I mean, I'm more worried about him getting squared up and be. And he's yeah, proven hamstring he injury year after year after year. I don't think he can carry the load. I'm I'm someone who's not. I don't know that I've ever taken Austin Eckler. Just on his size and durability concerns is, is what bothers me about him. What about Akers and Chubb? 
over Barkley with the current situation with I what, what we over Barkley. I take Chubb over Barkley as well. But not Akers, though. No. Not, I no, I mean, I already made my case that I'd, I'd take Harris over. I know that. I know <laughs> that that's true. <laughs> Harris or Barkley there sells. Oh, I guess he, oh, he's thinking. He's thinking about it. Yeah, I think I literally just made the brilliant sports mind of Matt Sells stall for about <laughs> 10 seconds, Helm. That never happens. First happen. time for everything. If we're talking late first and Barkley's there, then yeah, I'll go with Barkley and then maybe on the turn I'll take Harris. But oh, like, That is a, such a tough decision that you guys are going to have to make, but the later your drafts are, hopefully we get some more information and more importantly, positive information because the more positive information that we get, that first round is going to be shook when it comes to ADP. ADP is going to be hard to follow at that point. I mean, we've seen it in industry drafts. People very confident in Jonathan Taylor, third overall. Nick Chubb, Howard Bender, very confident in Nick Chubb, third overall. And that's okay. Hey, you you go after who you want. That's what this is all about. Can you get your corner still running back with volume that first round? Then you're sitting pretty. Guys, I want to bring up one other thing because we were talking about this on Alarm After Hours and the people voted that we talked about it. So Ronis and I spoke about it and it's a strategy that while I was talking about it, I'm just like, I can't get into this. The zero running back theory <laughs> and strategy. I mean, Ronis and I just went, what kind of went through situations. Who can we end up with if we did avoid going running back the first five rounds or so? And it just kind of made me nauseous the people who were there, even what, starting with Kareem Hunt all the way down, Ronald Jones is there. I don't want to deal with the Tampa Bay situation. I just wanted to get your guys' take in general. What are your thoughts on going zero running back? Has it ever worked for you? I mean, I've never personally done it. I think last year uh, kind of gave it more credence, which is why you're hearing about it more this year than I think any other year, because if you look, the guys that went in the first round last year, McCaffrey, Kamara, basically didn't do anything. Jonathan, I mean, Jonathan Taylor wasn't a first round pick last year. He was pretty, pretty highly taken. But like Barkley. Zeke got injured, Barkley got injured. Um, you know, all of these guys, except for like three in Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, didn't really do what they were supposed to do. Meanwhile, wide receivers more or less performed, right? Like the elite wide receivers had really good years. So I think the reason why it's gaining credence is that if you look at it and you go, okay, well, if you assume that 70% of first round running backs are either going to get hurt or they're going to wind up in a timeshare of some sort, then what's the point in spending the draft capital to get it only to then have to go make a waiver claim and, by the way, not be able to drop one of your first round running backs because they may come back and somebody's going to pick them up and then you're screwed, right? So now you got to drop a guy who you've actually been using to go pick up another running back. I think that's why it's getting it. I personally have never done it. Um, I may have waited until like the third round in some formats to go get a running back, but I haven't waited all the way until like the fifth or sixth. But I get it because of the, if you look at who's going there, like Kareem Hunt is a standalone guy at running back. Even with Nick Chubb there, Kareem Hunt does enough, especially in PPRs, to be a standalone guy. Mike Davis in Atlanta is intriguing. James Robinson came out of nowhere. He's still a fifth-round guy this year. 
Um, if Trey Sermon is the starting running back for San Francisco, there's a fifth or sixth round guy. So, like, I get it. I can't do that. I I'm sorry. I can't take Trey Sermon as my first running back. No way. Honestly, Why? I think the philosophy is moronic, to be honest. I don't think it's smart to wait on any position. That A quarterback, obviously, if it's one quarterback. I, I think a balanced team is your best bet. I mean, and Matt, you just listed off four or five solid guys. But they're all going within the next, like, five or six picks. So it's not like you're getting two or three of them. You're getting one of them. Right. And then you're dropping to the next round where you're looking at Melvin Gordon or Michael Carter. And then we see or the, the – uh, Yeah, Damian Harris. Oh, yeah. like David Johnson that, might be worth the risk there at, like, 100. And then, oh, man. But what about you go through the year and then you have injuries? I mean, to me, I am – listen, I, I, I think I've, I've kind of gone with the times. There was a time when, you know – 10 years ago where running back running back was gospel for the longest time. Uh, then it came to, you know, kind of swung towards wide receivers more early. And right now I'm sorry, it's swung back to running back early. There's just, like I said, a little bit ago, there's just so many few set situations where it's not some sort of committee or there's not huge, you know, injury concern, or it's not a guy who's played one year and you're not quite sure. Like we were just talking about acres or Dobbins, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of question marks. So for me, I've gone running back, running back in most of my leagues and wide receivers so damn deep right now. I think it doesn't pay to, I don't think there's such a huge difference between a wide receiver you're getting in the second round and a wide receiver you're getting in the sixth round. Well, I think the, the difference in the running backs between those two spots is huge. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying from a draft capital standpoint, right? If you're picking in the top half of the first round, you're going to go running back. Cause those guys have very little question marks about them. Um, whatnot if you're in the back half of the first round like the guys we just spent 15 minutes debating you can pick and choose whichever one you want but if they get injured you've now blown draft capital for a first round pick and then have to go and use waivers i think the argument for zero running back is if you spend draft capital of a fifth round pick and then that guy doesn't do anything a waiver claim can be just as good as a fifth round pick right like, doesn't happen all the time, but if you're if you're picking a running back by committee and he gets injured and the handcuff is on the waiver wire, literally hasn't cost you anything in draft capital. But if you blow a first-round pick on, like, McCaffrey last year and he gets injured and you don't get Mike Davis, then I get the argument. I'm not saying I would do it, but right. I, I understand the thought process but there's no certainty that you get that player on the wire no you, you no would probably you, you would probably do have to put put in your whole budget yeah there's no certainty that you yeah we saw people do that with mike davis after the first week he started people blew we saw their, people do that with ernest johnson when the right no, you're you're 100 right that doesn't that doesn't work out a lot when in those first few right, weeks, but the can... argument can be made if that same person goes, okay, I've used running back, running back, and then gotten two really good wide receivers, and both your top running backs get screwed. They've played the game the way we're telling them to play it, and they still got screwed. Right? This is where luck comes in. 
But the problem is, Sells, when you're looking at average draft positions right now and you're seeing the paranoia surrounding running back, while you don't always want to fall in line with what everybody else is doing, this is just so extreme with what's going on in the first round, plus the situation with Green Bay that's keeping guys, and New Orleans, that's keeping guys like Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas at bay in check later on. And I just feel like if you're going with a zero, a true zero running back theory, which is at least the first five rounds, no running backs, by the end of August, you're going to be left with nothing, man. Yeah, maybe David Johnson. I don't want my running back core to start with David freaking Johnson. Right. So this, so I guess what I'm saying is if we're going to do zero running back, I think it pays to do it earlier in the year than later in the year. Because like think right about now. It. if you go, if you do a zero running back right now and you get guys like Trey, Trey Sermon and Javonta Williams and David Johnson, who right now there's all question marks, right? But let's say Deshaun Watson gets sorted out and he turns out to be the starting quarterback for the Texans. I don't think that's happening, but maybe. Let's say Javonte Williams is now the guaranteed bona fide lead back in Denver. And let's say Trey Sermon's the bona fide lead back in San Francisco. You just lucked your way into three number one running backs. I don't think Javante Williams is going to be there in the sixth I don't round think, of 12 team leagues. Well, he, time, may, he may not. He's going yeah. 52. It's early fifth round. Yeah, dude, no, no way he's going to be in that I'm sixth round. I'm saying if you do it in August, there's no way a zero. Like late in August, there's no way a zero. Like, people back. are swearing by Javante Williams. People are making like Melvin Gordon doesn't exist. Yeah, you could also get Melvin Gordon, by the way, who's going right. That's true. So if you do it now, I think a zero running back has upside because you could potentially score RB ones late because there's question marks about all of these situations. If you do it in late August, there's no way it works because all of those question marks will have been sorted out at that point. Ryan Hallam, you know what it's time for, my man. Every single week. We got to end our family times fun with what we're bringing to the family table. What the heck are you bringing this week, my man? Uh, so it's going to be a little little selfish just for me, but I am just ready to head out on this vacation next Saturday, taking the family down to Myrtle Beach. First vacation in a couple of years, and man, I am really, really looking forward to getting away and some sun, some beach, and probably some adult beverages. Nice, nice. Hope you have a good time, a lot of beers, and just some chillaxing time, my man, because then you know what happens. Fantasy football <laughs> all aboard the train of victory and happy to have you. Well-deserved. You work your tuchus off. And, hey, man, make sure you send us some pictures on the old social media. So just be careful, my man. It is social media. Everybody can see it. <laughs> Matt true. Sells, what are you bringing to the table, my man? Uh, well, I will piggyback off that and say that I get to go on vacation starting Sunday evening. Wow, this... look at this. Everybody leaving. Where are you going? Well, you know, it's a two. I get a two-week break in the NASCAR schedule because the Olympics happen starting this weekend. Um, and it's before football, so it's pretty decent time for me to peace out for a week. Uh, well, who's going to manage the tools? Oh, I'll probably still check in on them every day. <laughs> um, as Jen Piacenti and Howard Bender said on the last episode of Getting Buzzed, I would go to Hawaii and still work. Um, just what I do. Uh, so yeah, so I'll be on on vacay, but I'll still have the uh, you know the prospect report. There's a couple of draft guy pieces coming out for me. 
next sure. week too. But um, you know, I'm gonna say this: uh, partake in the Olympics, folks. It got pushed back a year. The Olympics are just I enjoy them so much. The summer ones uh, are personally my second favorite compared to the winter ones. I do like the the winter ones a little better. Um, but yeah, there's some great storylines in this year's Olympics. Um, always love watching the track and field, see which, uh, world records are going to fall. Um, so yeah, should be, should be a fun two weeks watching the Olympics. Yep. Should be a fun two weeks, weeks watching team USA basketball lose. And now it's, that's, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about what I'm bringing. It's not a vacation. I'm still going to be here, guys. Someone's got to work after all. So <laughs> I am actually going to say this, and this is something that's starting to be brought up as you're starting to reactivate or activate your fantasy football league. Some of you are making fresh leagues, and I have to just encourage all of you to just make sure you're checking the default settings because there's some weirdo de- default settings on these free sites, which are fine which you can change, but you have to make sure that you change them. And I don't know why some of these features are in the default settings. Here's one of them, for example, divisions in fantasy football. Not going to call anybody out, but the worldwide leader in sports, let's just say, they have divisions as their default. No, 12-team fantasy football league, 14, even 16, 10, 8, those numbers, no divisions. Why are divisions bad? Well, it's because... You could be in the really tough division with an over 500 record. The problem is everybody else has an over 500 record, and you're probably not checking your playoff settings, which means that the winner of the other division gets an automatic spot in the playoffs, and they could be in the soft division, where maybe that team is a game over 500, everyone else is way under. It's not right, and it falls in line with the randomness of the schedule as well. It's Horrible, should not be a default setting, and you should not have divisions. 18-team leagues, that's a different story. 20, I've heard 22. I've played in a 24-team league, that's a different story. But when it comes to anything below 18, no divisions in fantasy football, guys. I don't know if you disagree with me. You can if you want, but I I just don't like them at all, and I don't think they're fair. I'm I'm kind of indifferent to it. I played some with and without. Uh, I, I guess if you're putting where you finish in your division as part of playoff implications, then that's wrong. If it's just kind of for fun and for bragging rights, then I don't have a problem with it. But if like second in the division immediately goes to the playoffs, then that's dumb. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the leagues that I've been in have had um, the division winners go to the playoffs every time. Um, like you default to the playoffs if you win your division and then the, you know, the rest of the playoff field is sorted out by best record or most points or whatever it is. But again, I agree with Fenty. If you're, I've been in a, I've been in a league. In fact, it was, um, you know, my home uh, fantasy football league where my division was like literally last place was above 500 because we all beat up on the other division. So the one guy who did well in the other division made like was one of the top two seeds. And then that meant that one of the, you know, the the team with far better records missed out on the playoffs because the top whatever seeds in each division made the playoffs. So 
I'm with you. It should just be, if you're doing head-to-head, it doesn't matter by division because it's not like, you know, there's seeding involved or whatever. It should just be based off of record and then points. One of these episodes, I'll come up with a list of unique kind of like kind of Ryan Hallam has the unique fantasy sports leagues in general or fantasy show leagues and brackets. I'll bring some unique formats of fantasy football that you guys can try out if you're getting sick and tired of the basics. But don't try with divisions. Just don't do it. It's stupid. Don't do it. 18 team leagues beyond higher than that. Go for it. For Matt Sells, Ryan Hallam, I'm Justin Fensterman. As always, as one, as a family, as we do, we always dominate. No other option. We just win.